parents need more benefits. We need childcare. We need this, but the benefits aren't just for parents. They are for everyone. So how do they ensure it's not just one group getting the benefits where maybe our black resource group isn't getting as much support or our, um, our handicap support group, um, you know, your benefits may not be as great. So whenever you do improve one group's benefits, you have to think about how the companies think about how to kind of also all ships rise versus just focusing on a squeaky wheel. I think the biggest thing is just being over communicative and not trying to hide. You have kids setting expectations, blocking your calendars for when you have to have your kids, um, you know, switching Zoom classes and everything and just being over communicative and asking for what you need. I think before everyone was scared to ask or scared to leave early or scared to come in late, you know, um, but now I think it got to a point where you're expected to over communicate and say what you need because no one can help you if they don't know. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adeshion, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the Mother Honestly podcast. I am your host for today's episode, Kristen Hall, COO of Mother Honestly. And I'm so excited to have Brooke Shapiro joining me today on the podcast, who has a recent new mother of two, um, and also is brand engagement and sales marketing manager, marketing, pardon me, at Clorox. Brooke, hello, thanks so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm very excited and honored to be here. Oh, we're so thrilled. And thank you. You know, I know you, uh, we had initially scheduled uh, right before your due date, and then you, you know, brought a new wonderful bundle of joy into the world. So congratulations <laughs> on that. How are you feeling? How are you adjusting? <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, I have a two-year-old and an eight-week-old. So she loves sleeping. I cannot complain. She is one of those babies that snoozy baby. I have to wake up. She slept 12 hours yesterday, which is that's crazy. amazing. I was checking if she was alive. So I guess she knew I had a, was speaking with you today. So she let me sleep, which is incredible. I feel like a whole new person. <laughs> I'm glad. No, sleep is it's so critical. But please, for our <laughs> listeners, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself in your own words. Yeah, so I've, uh, I'm from Connecticut and I moved to California about five years ago after seven years in advertising and I currently work at Clorox and back in last year in September, I decided to start a parents resource group to help parents in the workplace. About 70% of our employees were parents and so we, I felt like there was more that we could do to help them thrive and have processes in place and reevaluate our benefits and just started to see an opportunity to help people be better at what they do. So started that. That's great. And kind of what sparked this desire to create the employee resource group for parents? Was it something that was missing from Clorox already or something that you just kind of wanted to expand upon where you thought it could be a little bit stronger? Yeah, there were three things that kind of sparked me. It was the first one I was heading out on maternity leave. My manager didn't really know what the process was. When I asked him, you know, 
how do I file it? What do I do? He said, just ask another mom. And when asking another mom, it was always like, well, you know, I don't, I, my kid's five or my kid's seven and so much with regulations and laws constantly change. So I felt there, there might be something to streamline it and make it easier for people to figure out. The second thing was when I came back from maternity leave, I asked my manager again, like, where's the pump room? What do I, you know, where do I go? How do I access it? And it was find another mom and ask her or submit a ticket to HR. And I submitted a ticket to HR because I didn't know any other moms that were pumping. And it was, we'll get back to you in 48 hours. And I was like, I don't have 48 hours. Um, so I thought, again, something needs to be done to improve it. And I think the last thing that kind of made me really realize that we need to do something was uh, we have an employee event every year, the first day of school. And so I noticed all the moms are coming late or leaving early or on their phone or, you know, really upset as they were trying to juggle getting their kids ready from school remotely and calling their spouses. So I just started a Facebook group and I said, let's just post the pictures of our kids first day of school. And I had about like eight moms that were posting and then they passed it along and then it was 20 moms and then it was 40 moms. And then finally got to 180 moms in our Facebook group and it was unofficial for Clorox. So we, the dads found out and said, you know, we want something too. And so I asked, do you guys want a Facebook group? And they said, no, they wouldn't let necessarily use that resource. So I worked with our HR team to create an employee's resource group so it could benefit both the parents, um, mothers, and the fathers and start to consolidate information in one place. So that's sort of how I kicked it off. I love that. And it's very intuitive or ingenuitive to kind of see a need that's not being met. I'm sorry, first, that you had that experience where you had to, you know, the last thing you need with the company when you're coming back, there's already like 50 million things that you're working on that you're like, how am I going to pump? What am I going to do? Where am I going to store it? Is it clean? Is it not? To You know, that's very stressful coming into that situation. But I like that you kind of were very entrepreneurial and kicking that off. How was it received by Clorox overall? Were they pretty once it became official welcoming? Were they, some companies don't necessarily like you to go rogue, yeah. uh, but it sounds like this was pretty well received. Yeah, so first I reached out to our women's um, resource group. and was like, hey, want to start something for parents. And, you know, one of the feedback was like, we're a women's group, not necessarily parents. Parents, you know, mothers are part of it, but, you know, we're not parents necessarily. So. I kind of went, and there was lots of more hoops to develop another group. So I went over to our um, head of inclusion diversity and said, hey, I'm thinking of starting a group. What's the process look like? You know, how do we go about it? And he was really open to it. Um, the way we said we would just post it on our um, like ethernet and see if anyone would even sign up. And I knew because I had all the moms in the Facebook group already, I could get, you know, at least 50 to 80. And so if we could get economies of scale, I could start this resource group. So I did at the end of February, this thing called COVID was happening. Everyone started to hear little rumbles of, you know, people getting sick. And all of a sudden, a few days later, everyone was working from home. So it was kind of being at the right place at the right time where we ended up having about 420 employees all signing up for wanting this resource, needing to know like what they can do with their kids while they're home, how to have a meeting while your kids are at home and how to start juggling, you know, schools and events and everything. So um, the first thing I kind of did that silly is I asked all the uh, executive team to read stories just to like have an activity for kids to do while parents could run to the bathroom or go take a quick call without someone hanging on them. 
And so, uh, you know, every other week we'd have a different executive reading stories to everyone's kids. And it was really sweet and kind of brought us all together as a community and seeing everyone's messy living rooms, which to me felt really great to see I wasn't the only one. So it was really nice. That is a big thing. Even I love uh, the ways in which you went about it. And I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. But I think that is, you know, allowing people kind of to see behind the curtain right now is it's really changed the dynamics of, um, you know, we had a conversation at our work where people are getting more used to hearing that background noise where before it was like, oh, we never want anyone to necessarily hear. It's very disruptive. Now, you know, the sky could be falling and I think no one flinches based on this past COVID year. But that is wonderful because it sounds like it hit, uh, not only was it needed, but it hit during a period where it completely put people, you know, on their heels. How are we going to get through this period? And so I want to circle back because you mentioned a couple of really great points, but for those that are in a company that don't have an employee resource group or it doesn't yet expand to include parents, um, you know, there's a couple of things that you did, but what would you recommend to those that are like, maybe ours could be a little bit stronger where I'm at and working? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being over communicative and not trying to hide. You have kids setting expectations, blocking your calendars for when you have to have your kids, um, you know, switching Zoom classes and everything and just being over communicative and asking for what you need. I think before everyone was scared to ask or scared to leave early or scared to come in late, you know, um, but now I think it got to a point where you're expected to over communicate and say what you need because no one can help you if they don't know. But I think a lot of the, the issues were like fathers may not have known the workplace or other employees without kids may not have known what it was like, right? Because there, it's a lot easier for them. So they didn't realize, you know, you've done 80 things by the time you walked into the office every morning, right? They just, they may have just, and I, you know, I recently, had, I only have a two-year-old. So two years ago, I was just, my morning was okay, working out and walking my dog. That was my struggle for the morning. Now it's like, well, forget working out. Now the dog like goes outside on its own, but you know, it's like getting kids ready, getting dressed, handling temper tantrums, changing dirty diapers, taking out, like, there's just so much more you need to do as a parent. So I think you need to just over communicate and share if you don't have managers that understand. And once they know and they learn and they understand, I think they're more receptive to helping you and supporting you and maybe partnering with you with what you want to do and need. Who said business and pleasure can't mix? Check out Lincoln.com. Luxury vehicles designed with you in mind thoughtful interiors and insightful technologies that provide an effortless ownership experience. No, those are very great points. And I'm always, it's been an interesting thing on the flip side is we're seeing some um, pushback from those that don't have children where they now think that, you know, we're highlighting what options and resources are available to parents. And it's a unique kind of dichotomy between the two things. On the one hand, I can understand, you know, for those that don't have children, um, it, it could feel a little bit unfair. But at the same time, I think we've also shed a lot more light on the struggles that parents go through on a daily basis and have normalized those discussions. Did you find any of that at Clorox or was, every, was it a pretty welcoming um, environment to be kind of highlighting what parents are going through? Yeah, I think it's a really welcoming environment. The one thing I worked a lot with our HR team to understand, you know, benefits and what the policy is going to be with COVID with kids and all of those types of work, which I never 
realize behind the curtains how much work goes into those types of policies to ensure it's fair, like you're saying, right? Just be, people who do have COVID who don't, um, including caretakers, because some people may not have kids, but they may be taking care of older parents, which is a whole other um, dynamic and, and policy. And then again, for benefits, to your point, I kept raising my hand, you know, parents need more benefits. We need childcare, we need this, but the benefits aren't just for parents. They are for everyone. So how do they ensure it's not just one group getting the benefits where maybe our black resource group isn't getting as much support or our, um, our handicap support group, um, you know, benefits may not be as great. So whenever you do improve one group's benefits, you have to think about how the company is thinking about how to kind of also all ships rise versus just focusing on a squeaky wheel, which they can't necessarily, and they shouldn't necessarily do. So how do we kind of make sure everyone can thrive in the workplace and feel heard and, and benefiting at all, so. I really liked how you framed that. I think that's a great way to, you know, it gives people a reminder to look at different facets of it and not just one tunnel down. Changing gears a bit, you know, tell me a little bit more about pandemic working parents. This is also something that you were working on recently um, and I love that you put this together. Well, thank you. Yeah, so right before I head out on maternity leave, I was like, I'm gonna be so bored during maternity leave. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I forgot how much work babies are. Um, but you know, one of the things back when the pandemic started was I did create all these resources of how to talk to a manager about you know having kids at home. What are the benefits you can ask for? Or benefits you need for um, working parents? Where are their resource groups? Um, how do you start a resource group? What do you like? How what are things that can make your life easier as a pandemic parent of working and being at home with your kids? So I just started blogging, honestly, just writing some articles. And then all the pod pandemic pods started happening. I'm in California where our schools are closed. So a lot of people are you know, having a little bubble and having classes and having you know one care provider with under five kids. So what that could look like, how do you find your bubble? How do you ensure you guys are all on the same page? And recently I'd gotten, you know, last year I started a nanny process, which was kind of similar to having a pod where there were three of us parents having a teacher come in our home making sure we were all on the same page of wanting to have the same care for our child, the same safety for our child, the same standards for our kids. So a lot of the questions we had asked for our nanny and rule, like not rules per se, but like standards we had held um, was kind of very similar. So kind of, you know, transpose that into what it'd be like for a pod and what it would be, what my husband's a lawyer. So like what are legal ramifications that you need to keep in mind for safety if someone falls or gets hurt? and kind of thinking through all those different features um, and started partnering with a lot of the pod companies that were you know, helping match people for pods and working with them on you know, what kind of questions to ask and what are we learning and what are the regulations. I think luckily there's a vaccine. So a lot of that hopefully will be you know, not necessarily um, an issue or something to keep in mind next year. Kids can hopefully go back to schools, but we'll see as, you know, things are constantly changing. Some people may like the smaller pods, you know, from an education standpoint, we're seeing in California, they like the smaller groups, they like the tight knit, their kids are getting more attention with, you know, seven kids versus, you know, 17 kids in the classroom. So we'll see how you know, education is going to change overall too. And I bet the reception for the website was very well received, you know, with the outburn because people didn't know where to start. They didn't know this was such a brand new kind of frontier. Um, and a lot of times people didn't have, you're asking the right questions. You know, people don't always know to consider legal 
ramifications of what they're looking for that and I do I've had a couple friends here that I think they're going to keep their kids out of the public school system and either homeschool or kind of do a modified system so in that I think you know we're always trying to look for some of the bright spots that have come out of the pandemic um, it has given people more options but it's also highlighted a lot of inequities and challenges as well and so for you you know as a new mom of two and parenting in the pandemic you know what have you struggled with personally what's been you know the toughest challenges not only bringing another life into the world but you know add a pandemic to the to the game yeah well I think what was funny I just want to share having a baby in a pandemic was very interesting because they didn't want you in a hospital like I was in and out of the hospital in 20 hours they were like you look fine get out <laughs> like which is crazy to me I didn't even pay for parking um that's how much they wanted people in and out of the hospitals like the nurses could stay far away like getting tested waiting having to wait for my COVID test before they'd even admit you, um, you know, having your husband there, having to always stay six feet away, just all those different things was so crazy in a pandemic that I didn't even think about. Um, so that's always been one challenge. And for me, the biggest challenge is like, what do I do with my kid all the time? Like for us right now, zoos are closed. Okay. They finally just opened back up the playgrounds, but playgrounds for a while were closed. Like you can't take them to a museum. You can't take them to a friend's house necessarily, if it's raining. Like there's so many things just now, it's hard enough to have kids at home on the weekends and for, you know, and work days, but now there's nothing you can really do with them. You know, I used to be, hey, call a neighbor. Can you watch them if they're, you know, they're sick or you have a friend, you know, a family member, but nobody wants to go into each other's homes. So I think that's been really hard. So I've had to get really creative. So we now go to the fire station and we stay, you know, <laughs> stand outside and we look in the window at the fire trucks as like an activity because nothing to do or we found a farm that we just will like park our car and sit and look at the horses because petting zoos are closed and so you know how to entertain you know my kids in this pandemic has been really tough and they're scratching at the walls and they want to see their friends and you know even some friends you might hang out with outside but you don't know what their parents standards are if they're traveling or working or in hospitals so that kind of extra pressure and questioning is just kind of eating at me alive. And then you are always overcompensating at work. Like, oh my gosh, I spent, you know, a half hour trying to find the right blippy episode on YouTube. Like, did I, like, I feel like I have to overcompensate my work. And so that kind of pressure of like being home and having your kids there for me, I think is really tough. Um, and I hope others will, you know, are not feeling the same kind of guilt and anxiety that it's causing, but also for me, like I like not going into an office. I'm not gonna lie. Like I enjoy being at home. Like I like that I didn't have to get into a car and commute, you know, and adding an extra half hour and adding, getting to my kids' school on time. You know, it's just another thing. I can just hop online. So there's pros and cons to everything in life is what I've really learned throughout this pandemic. That's a great perspective. And you highlighted, I think even, I was like, I didn't even think about going to sit at the fire department. And, you know, my son would love that. So that's a very kind of unique idea that I hadn't heard yet. But I think that is, so we're trying to come up with like anything and everything to keep our kids, you know, moderately entertained. And there's been some great programs with that that have come out of that as well. Now more than ever, women are demanding a quick recovery after surgery. Women are incredibly proactive when it comes to their health and ask their doctors a number of questions prior to surgery. Unfortunately, there's one topic that they often forget to discuss, which can directly impact their recovery experience. 
non-opioid pain management options. Non-opioid options used before, during, and after surgery can effectively manage pain while minimizing the need for opioids and limiting a patient's downtime after surgery. Planning for surgery? Unlock your X Factor by visiting yourxfactor.com forward slash M8 to learn more about non-opioid pain management options and raise your expectations for what is possible after surgery. I want to circle back on one point because it really kind of sparked something for me. I haven't heard have a lot of people in my life that have gone through having a baby during COVID time. You know, is there anything you would share? We always tell people, you know, pack your hospital bag, bring X, Y, and Z. That was pre-pandemic. Now it's a whole new game. You know, what was something you learned or wish you would have known, you know, kind of going into the hospital setting during the pandemic? Yeah, well... <laughs> I, for me, I think, you know, they're always asking you all those questions. Have you had a headache? Have you had this? You know, the, and I was like, I'm just having a baby. Like, don't put the questions, swap me up, get me. Um, I think, I mean, they give you a mask when you get to the hospital, they swab you, they swab your partner, you get your results. Um, you know, I did have to give birth with a mask on, which was, I thought would be a lot worse than it is, but you're just so uncomfortable anyways. Like what's another thing? <laughs> um, so um, but otherwise, I think it was just, you know, you're extra careful, like when the nurses are in there, you're kind of keeping your questions quick and get them out, you know, you're not trying to be exposed or have as long of conversations, you're not at, you're trying to pick through what do you really need to know, because you just don't know who anyone, you know, who these people are, everyone's staying six feet away, it's not as like close as I think it was with my first son, you know, like I remember just wanting to talk to the doctors more, like spending time with them, having like walking, like standing close and watching what they did. But now everything was just kind of like at a distance and you're kind of in, you're out. You didn't leave your hospital room. You know, I, I couldn't really leave the hospital room to walk around like I did before. You're having to kind of stay where you are, don't move. Um, so it was just a little bit different, you know, and I, I like would turn down anything that wasn't necessary, like them cleaning my room, for example, like, I didn't want an extra person in my room, right? You, you couldn't have your extra friends and family visit like you did. So you just were kind of, you know, sending pictures and waiting till you got home. But, you know, when my first time, all my friends were there and they had signs and they were excited and all came over within a week. But with my daughter, it was kind of like, hey, here's a picture. I can't really see you. I'll show you her from a window, you know, or my, one of my friends, actually, she came and did my dishes for a week, which is like the best friend ever, right after having my son, right? Everyone needs a friend who will come to your house and do dishes. That was like her gift. And, um, but like, she couldn't do that because of the pandemic, right? And so it was like, literally, she made a great meal and she dropped it off, which is so nice, but you know, you grabbed it and go. And it might be a little bit more extreme because we're in California, right than other states but you always have that in the back of your mind is you don't want to expose your child who doesn't have shots right expose yourself because you're just given birth and had surgery and your immunities are low so just overall it's just a, a very different experience you mentioned some of the similarities and differences that you had this you know birth experience compared to the other one did you kind of grieve any of those experiences that you had or was it kind of like in the light of because um, I can imagine you at least had something to kind of compare it to from you know, the first birth to the second yeah. birth. But for some moms, you know, this may be their first um, 
welcoming their first child into the world, you know, and how do we, that they are missing out on some of those kind of fun, special moments, you know, was there anything that was a little bit different uh, in the COVID birth experience that you would recommend that kind of made it um, feel more, not as divisive as I think sometimes it's such a different one of what we see in the stories and the books. It's, you know, it's a very different experience and you can have a range of emotions with, you know, this birth story not following what you had hoped it to be. Yeah, I think for me, it was, or I think, you know, I couldn't even imagine, first off, I couldn't even imagine being a first time mom, you know, having a baby in this pandemic. Um, it's so, you know, there's so much scary, you don't know what to do. At least for me, it was my second, I kind of know what to do, where to go, how to, what to expect. This is different. This is new. Um, but for a first time mom, I think it's hard. Like, you might not get your family to come visit you. Like, my in-laws still haven't met my daughter, um, but they were here, you know, a week or so afterwards. Um what you have in your hospital bag might be a little bit different as you had more, I always had hand sanitizer on me, right? I was constantly washing my hands, um, but and not wanting to touch anything. But I think it's, you know, you probably don't know what you don't know, so it'll be fine, right? It's almost sometimes when you know too much, it's harder. But I think for someone, you know, they just need to stay calm, roll with the punches, everything's new, everything's hard with having a baby. And if you can get through it this time, nothing phases you. I, one thing I do want to share is when coming back from work, one of the things I'd sit in meetings and I'd be, you know, working on something challenging or something hard or we're trying to figure out. And I'd always like take a second and go, wait a minute, like whatever I'm doing with work is not that hard. Like hard is having a baby. Like that's hard. That's like painful. You're tired. You, you just gave birth. Like you're exhausted. You're also managing your house when people are coming, when people are going, who you're seeing, that, that's really hard. Anything you do at work, I always say it's like, not that hard. Like you can figure it out. There is a solution there. Babies, there's no, like you have to use like lots of more solutions. So I always say having a baby is hard. Work is, it has to be easier. There's, it just can't be. That's a really great perspective. Even just, I think, you know, with a lot of the pandemic, it, we've had to lower or change or modify our expectations. And I think people with slowing down a little bit and, you know, we can't do the big photos, all of that as much as we did. And I think some people are really enjoying that perspective. And it's kind of given, you know, I think everyone, we we didn't know what we didn't know. And so we're going into it with kind of open eyes and open experiences, which is, you know, can be very beneficial um, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I love what you're doing. You've been such a great resource, not only for those parents at Clorox, but also for those that can find uh, pandemic working parents online. How can our listeners continue to follow your journey? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, pandemic working parent, um, or go to my website, pandemicworkingparents.com. Um, always open to like talking to people who want to start their own parents resource group, always open to anyone who wants to write on the, uh, tell their stories about being a pandemic parent, um, really hoping to meet more and kind of just help everyone thrive in the workplace and as parents. That's my mission. That's amazing. And we're so grateful to have moms like yourself in our community that are helping and willing to help others. So thank you for all that you're doing. I hope that you and your family stay well and stay safe in the coming weeks. And I can't wait to see how it continues to grow. Oh, thank you best so of wishes. Thanks. Happy holidays. I'm glad you got, thanks you as well. I'm glad you got some sleep. That's a huge, huge win. I'm always yeah. excited when people get those. <laughs> <laughs> Small win. Thank you so much. Have a Perfect. good one. You as well. Bye, Brooke. Bye.
Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you. Please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.